Hello and welcome, Blue Jay fans, to episode 41 of Section 138 Weekly Blue Jay Podcast. Uh, I'm Mark Colley, the host of Section 138, and as always, I'm joined by Bryson from Everything Blue Jays. How are you, Bryson? I'm good. How are you? Uh, a little bit under the weather. I've been sick the past few days, recovering from a cold. So if my voice sounds a little bit weird, then I apologize to you guys listening. I hope you could forgive me for that, uh, but I, I may have to duck out to cough a few times. Uh, but besides that, uh, today we're going to be discussing the Kevin Pillar trade. Obviously, that's the biggest piece of news since we last recorded, but we'll also be talking about the Randall Grishik extension. So much has happened since we last recorded. It's going to be a busy day. And then we'll also touch briefly on the Blue Jays' offense and the troubles they've been having there in their first six, seven, eight-ish games. And as we're recording this on Friday, they were just nearly um, no hit against by Cleveland last night on Thursday, which is concerning, obviously. And then at the end of this podcast, again, a busy week for the Blue Jays and for us, um, we'll have a special interview with Rapsodo GM Art Chu, um, and I'll explain more about Rapsodo as we get closer to the interview at the end of this episode. Uh, but for now, I guess we can start off with the biggest piece of news, which was the Kevin Pillar trade. Um, he was traded to the San Francisco Giants a few days ago, uh, and obviously he's a fan favorite guy. Everyone seems to love him, uh, but the Blue Jays traded him for a few Three players from the Giants, I believe. They traded him for Alan Hansen, Derek Law, and a prospect named uh, Juan de Paula. So those three names, I wasn't very familiar with them when I first heard of this trade, but Alan Hansen uh, is an infielder. He's under contract until 2023. He hit 252 in 2018 with the Giants, and he had an OBP of 274. Uh, he was worth 0.5 wins above replacement. Uh, and then Derek Law, he's a reliever. He only had 13.1 major league innings last season, and he ended up putting an ERA up of 7.43 and a uh, FIP of 5.34. So right off the bat, what are your thoughts about this, Bryson? Um, I'm personally, um, you know, now thinking about the Polar trade uh, as it happened a few days ago. Um, it just seemed something was up. You know, we got previously before the season started, I think it was, it might have been during late spring. Uh, we Reports were circulating that the Jays and Giants were pretty much connected or tied together with uh, Pilar regarding a possible trade uh, that could happen or that would have happened. And then even before an hour, an hour before the um, the trade, another report came out saying that they were uh, discussing a trade. So it seemed like it was, you know, something was going to be up and it didn't help either the previous night where uh, Pilar actually didn't play. So it, you kind of thought something was up. If, now, if you look at it, it kind of all makes sense. But uh, recapping the trade, you know, I don't know too much about uh, Alan Hansen or uh, Derek Law. I know, I know Hansen's uh, up with the big league, uh, the uh, the major league roster right now. But again, I don't know much about him. I've seen some of his, I've seen his baseball reference, and then uh, they also got again. They got they made another trade. They got uh, Socrates Brito from San Diego. So um, I get, I think the most important part that the Jays were excited about from the trade was the prospect they got. Again, another person who I'm sure nobody is really familiar with as well. And, you know, looking at the Polar trade now, uh, he going into this season, he was the longest tenured Blue Jay, and he played. He did play in a few games this year, but, you know, a fan, fa- uh, a fan favorite, you know, known as Superman, uh, everything he did to the Jays, you know, his work ethic, ethic, his story just is amusing how he came, you know, the last pick in the MLB draft to, you know, somebody who finally got a chance at the big league level and, you know, um, 
when he had the opportunity to play with the Jays in 2015, you know, we all remember how that started, how he kind of, we nobody really expected him to be up much. And then he, you know, he broke out in that month of April. He made that famous um, home run, that home run catch that he made on the left field wall. And, you know, his play pretty much solidified him for the rest of the season and the next couple seasons. And over the next couple seasons, again, he's been a fan favorite. Um, and looking at the trade now, you know, some people are kind of questioning if really this was the right move to do. And, and I still really don't know what to feel about how I feel about the trade. Um, you can see why they would move on. You can see why they probably shouldn't have. But, you know, this definitely goes or gives us the hint that, you know, the Jays here, they're going for a they're going for a major uh, overhaul with the minor league system. You know, it, in, in my opinion, soon, like the more this happens, um, the more, you know, maybe it's a little too much. And with uh, these recent trades, uh, before the Polar trade, I was, you know, happy with the previous trades they made, but they are really loading up the minor league system. And um, with Polar gone, I guess that opens up spots for people like Anthony Alford, who uh, was recently with the big club, but he was optioned for Brito. Again, there's other names uh, like Dalton Pompey, who's up. Well, we won't know when he'll be back as he's on the 60-day IL now with the concussion. And I guess it opens up spots for the people in the outfield. But um, I'm just a little, you know, maybe a little curious on why they wanted to do it. Just because they didn't, it doesn't seem like they got too much in return. But I guess maybe they're I know they're trying to open up more play for the youth. Um, you know, this roster seems to be getting younger and younger now each week. So this team... Probably going to be one of the youngest teams in baseball by the end of the year, especially with names like Vlade Guerrero Jr. on the way up. So, um, again, for Pilar, you know, somebody who even that uh, interview he made before he left the Rogers Center, very emotional, uh, pretty tough to see. You can tell he was connected with the city and um, definitely somebody we're going to miss. I mean, we'll see him in a few weeks again as the Giants are in town uh, at the end of April. So that'll be uh, cool to see Pilar. But, you know, d- definitely a little weird seeing him in um, black and orange for the Giants. So. I guess it kind of works out for him, too, as much as he's moving on from Toronto, who pretty much the only place he knew, as he quoted, I guess he gets to play in the home state of his uh, his home state in California. So, obviously, like, uh, you wish him the best. And looking at Pilar, too, uh, he did struggle at the plate at times. You know, he got a lot of cri- criticism at the plate for, you know, not uh, not walking a lot or, um, you know, even his, you know, his hustle or, you know, things like that. But, you know, he definitely gave it all. Even if he wasn't succeeding, he gave it all in the field as well, even though last year, I believe his DRS numbers were down in the outfield. But overall, you know, a terrific defender and somebody who was in the J center field for the past few years that pretty much everybody, or was one of the last remaining players that pretty much fans, occasional fans knew about. So now with him gone, I think the longest senior Blue Jays now is Marcus Stroman. So again, tough to see him go, but you definitely wish him the best. And uh, I can. I guess you can see why the Jays made the trade, and you can also question a little bit of you know if this was really worth it. With you know they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't, they didn't get that much in return. So you must think it was more just a roster dump, like they've done with the previous players. Am I right in interpreting your opinion on this as the Blue Jays are going too far with these trades, like they're trading too many main players? I just think you know with um, well before uh, the Pilar trade, I think everything was fine. I just think you know trading. Pilar and, you know, Smoke's up, probably up next uh, to possibly be traded. You know, I expect that, you know, but even if they, you know, the other names past Smoke would be Stroman or Sanchez. So I just, you know, you you you, you wonder if maybe they're doing it a little too much. But uh, again, it's on the, it's on the, I'm on the fence with this Pilar trade. Okay, I have to, I, I disagree with that. I think that um, 
it's really important when we're thinking about this trade to separate, at least for me, this is how I'm thinking about it, to separate the personal side of it from the business side of it. Because for me, Kevin Pillar, uh, going to come out here and be honest, um, he's one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player. I have his jersey. Um, he follows me on Instagram. He's followed me on Instagram since we started uh, 360 Blue Jay News. So it's, uh, I, I feel like uh, he's a player that I, I don't he, I, I feel like when I watch him, I enjoy his play. Like I don't enjoy other players. So I think, um, seeing him leave is incredibly hard. And we saw how emotional he was and how emotional his teammates were seeing him leave. So on that side of things, I'm incredibly disappointed that the Blue Jays traded him. And I remember, um, when the first, the news first broke that the Giants were interested in him. And, and again, we've seen this trade coming for a while. Um, it's not a surprise by any means, uh, but when the news first broke, I was like, I, I tried to imagine what the Blue Jays would be without Kevin Pillar. And I just couldn't because he's been with them for or for such a long time and he's the longest tenured Blue Jay or at least he was um but when you look at the baseball side of things I think this does make sense you know his contract was expiring in in 2022 2023 I believe uh so he would have been there uh at the very end of the 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 the, the kind of rebuilding stage or yeah, he was said to become a free agent after 21, 21. So he would have been there for like the first competitive year and then he would have been moving on. So I get what the Blue Jays are trying to do here and getting controllable assets, guys who they can develop on their own time and have them ready for yes, 2020 and 2021, but also hold on to them without extending them or anything for 2022, 2023, 2024, whatever. So I get where they're coming from. Again, I agree with you. I think they probably could have gotten a little bit more, but I find myself saying that on every trade. So I think it might be the case that I'm overvaluing what the Blue Jays have in their possession and undervaluing what they're getting. So um, <clears throat> I feel like we have, should have a sound effect, effect on this podcast whenever we disagree because we like never disagree. But I, I disagree with you on this one. Yeah, definitely something we don't see every week. Um, but definitely, you, you can understand why the Jays made the trade. Um, it's just, again, you know, as they continue to develop, and Ross Atkins said it's not a popularity contest and they're going to get players with control. Um, you know, I just, again, it's just tough to see uh, one of the, a fan favor go. But, again, you can understand uh, why they did it. And, you know, even Pilar himself, he again, like I mentioned before, he wasn't the best hitter. Um, he's had his moments in the outfield where he's been great. He's also had, you know, some moments where, um, he hasn't been so great, but I'm pretty, pretty sure every player goes through those rough patches. So, um, they are stacking up the minor league system. I, I love, I like, I can see why they're doing it. I, I like what they're doing. I just, um, you know, with smoke, smoke's expected to go, which is probably going to happen. You can see why. And then I guess the names after that are Stroman and Sanchez. So it'll be interesting you know, how much more trades they have because they're definitely nowhere close to being finished as, um, you know, this team, again, completely gets younger and younger and it's completely different from what we've seen the past few years. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic to see them getting younger. And I think the average age is just above 27 right now, which, as you mentioned, is one of the lowest in baseball. So it's great to see them at least making a concerted effort to get younger. Um, but moving on, We'll touch briefly on the Randall Grishik extension. Um, there isn't too much to talk about here, really. Um, he was extended $53 million, five years. That includes right now, 2019, and then 2021, 2022, and 2023. Um, it's, sorry, $52 million, not $53 million. <clears throat> um, and uh, basically, the, I, I think this 
this is fine. It's nor uh, we've seen across baseball so many players getting extended. To see Grishik extended, it doesn't surprise me. Honestly, I think if anything, the timing surprises me that they announced this the day that they traded Pilar, which I was like. You know, you're trading one fan favorite outfielder and then you're signing a lesser known guy to an extension. Just the optics of it seem bad. But, um, you know, I, I get the deal. I guess my one question with this is why Grishik? You know, before any other player they extend, you know, we've seen the, uh, the Atlanta Braves signing their young prospect, very similar to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They're signing him to a, uh, a huge deal, a huge extension before he even makes the majors. So, you know, why Randall Grishik before Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Why Randall Grishik even before, like, you extend Marcus Stroman or Aaron Sanchez? You know, young, as we were just talking about, the longest tenure Blue Jays and, and what we figured to be the faces of the franchises for the next few years. Why why are you not extending them, and why are you extending Randall Gorsuch instead? Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Bryson? Um, again, the the Randall Gorsuch extension, um, it kind of seemed like it made sense again after the Pilar trade, and uh, you know he's a player who's pretty much going to be going through the whole rebuild process with the Jays. As again, he signed for five years. I do think they gave him a little too much money, but um, uh, that's another topic for another day. But uh, going back to your point on you know why him. Um, you know, simply just because I guess he's one of the people that the Jays have uh, solely committed to, to be, again, go through this rebuild. And, you know, p- people like Stroman and Sanchez, um, you know, they're very possible one or even not, if not both are traded by uh, July 31st. And other players like uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know, he hasn't stepped on the major league field at all. So um, he will, again, he's probably going to be, he'll, he'll get a huge payday. Everyone's expecting that, you know, as he lives if he lives up to his expectations, which is expected. And we don't even know when he's going to be back, but he's, you know, starting to play in rehab games uh, down in Dunedin. So, and then if you look at the rest of the roster too, there's, um, you know, if you go through pretty much everybody, there's not really a name in my opinion who would, I would want to give an extension right now uh, other than Grichik, just because Grichik now he's, he looks like he's going to be the new pretty much centerpiece of the outfield. He's already playing a lot more center field with Pilar gone, and he looks like he would be kind of transitioning into more of a center field role. But I, again, they can rotate throughout, you know, even Billy McKinney or uh, Teoscar Hernandez through le- left and right field. Uh, Brito's there now too. So I think the outfield is fine, but Grichik's just makes sense as he, you know, the Jays have always pretty much been high on him. Uh, we've noticed the front office has since uh, he was traded for. So it's a, a player that the front office really likes. And you can see why they're investing money. I guess pretty much they're one of their biggest contracts of someone who's actually playing for them, not you know other places in the a- AL Easter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So you can see why um, they would do that. They're just clearly they it proves how much uh, again they like him and they want him to be part of the future and how Grichik's found a home in Toronto. And if you go through again other names who we've cut, they've kind of been around. Um, you know Justin Smoke would be another one, but he's likely going to be traded. And Devin Travis just seems uh, can't stay healthy. So again, he's on the sixty-day IL. And then with the pitchers, like you said, Stroman and Sanchez, they're likely going to be trading pieces, if one or if not both. So it makes sense um, why it was Randall Grichik chosen. But again, the uh, the timing I do agree with. It was a little uh, it was a little odd with the timing that came out. But you know maybe it also proves that this was pretty much um like a a plan that was pretty much created during the you know the last few weeks of spring maybe they the jays did plan on moving pilar you know maybe this was even a plan created when the regular season started because pilar did start the year with the jays and then again he sat the night before he was traded 
and then he was told the next morning uh, he was traded. And then the same day, um, we got word during one of their games is that Gritchick signed his extension. So the timing just, in my opinion, kind of makes sense of a late plan that they decided to do. You know, Gritchick was a free agent at the end of the year, so they really want to keep him around, um, you know, I guess to help develop the younger players in the clubhouse. Yeah, I think it's a good point you bring up. Um <clears throat> He does, you know, seeing the Blue Jays sign him to that extension, meaning they will keep him around unless obviously they trade him um, into those formative winning years. Uh, I, I think it sends a message that, you know, the front office has trust in Grishik. They think he's a good clubhouse guy. Um, they think he's a good influence. And as you mentioned, I, I guess he is kind of the most reliable guy on the team to extend. We've seen Marcus Stroman be injured. We've seen Aaron Sanchez be injured. And even when they're on the field, sometimes their performance is limited and a very... Um, it oscillates a lot, and we've seen, obviously, Devin Travis. This year he's been injured. Last year he was injured. The year before that he was injured. It's just, I, I guess you, you can argue that Randall Grishik is the most consistent player to extend, and obviously we've seen in the past few days, apparently Blue Jays should extend more players because Grishik has been on a tear since he was extended. Uh, but not much to talk about there. It's a pretty simple deal for the Blue Jays, uh, but the most concerning part of the first few games of the Blue Jays, obviously, uh, well, last week we had the chance to talk about uh, one game, uh, this week we had the chance to talk about more games, uh, but I think the most concerning fact is the offense, because the Blue Jays, they've played seven games so far, eight games, I guess, um, and they've been... In three of those games, a no-hitter has been held into the sixth inning or later, which I think is bizarre, and I think, it, you know, there is a chance that it's luck, but it definitely seems indicative of the Blue Jays' offensive prowess. And at first, you know, the first game, Jordan Zimmerman pitching, I was just like, oh, he's doing really well, perfect game into the seventh inning, whatever. Uh, but then, you know, it's... It's happened night after night after night. And last night, the, the Cleveland baseball team had a no-hitter going into the ninth inning before the Blue Jays broke it up and scored a run to finish the game 4-1 for Cleveland. So uh, do you, I, I guess, are you, do you think this actually matters because the Blue Jays aren't trying to win this season? Is it something we should actually care about? Um, I think to a certain extent, it's something we should care about. I certainly don't. I certainly don't want to be notified from the MLB every game how there's a no-hitter going into the 6th or the 7th. So <laughs> I guess the Jays have come close uh, already a few times this year. It's been about three or four times we saw it in the first game of the season. We saw it last night in a potential combined no-hitter, and that was probably the, the closest call they've had as it ended in the ninth inning. Thank you, Freddie Galvis. So uh, at the point right now with the Jays, um, again, it's something... Um, I guess we have low expectations for them, as we've stated many times, but you definitely still want to hit be just because, um, especially with the starting pitching, the starting, you know, the starting pitching has been our, it's already no doubt been the bright spot. And, uh, you know, people like Stroman, Scott, he's already had two starts. He's been phenomenal. Shoemaker's even been f phenomenal. Sanchez had a, a good start again last night. And then they're at uh, Trent Thornton on the day we're recording on uh, Friday. So uh, pretty much, those four guys have been, you know, they've been, they've been amazing. And, um, they've, there's been a lot of, uh, shutout, um, game or, uh, starts for them. And I just think that as much as the Jays are going to be bad at, you know, it's at least lose hitting and at least lose pitching well, at least lose uh, playing well. And it's just been something, I guess that we've been 
seems to always happen with the Jays or maybe other, even other teams. You know, once the hitting goes, the pitching doesn't go, and once the pitching doesn't go, the hitting goes. But it's definitely been concerning watching the Jays. Um, they seem to be swinging earlier in the count this year, but I don't think uh, that's a problem. I think you know they're striking out a lot, and already um, the Jays are the fourth team in the last five seasons to have. 44 hitless innings in their first eight games. So they've had 44 hitless innings in eight games. And that's definitely not a stat to be proud of. But again, with the expectations we have, we know they're not going to be a good team. You know, some are even saying they might even be worse than we thought. Um, but, you know, the pitching's definitely um, shown up. Even the bullpen's been good at times through certain uh, relievers as, you know, they're unhealthy. So I guess um, you don't expect too much out of the, um, the bullpen either. But the hitting's definitely the biggest red flag right now. But the team just, again, with, with more trades happening and happening, the lineup on paper is getting worse and worse. So, uh, um, you know, it's I guess it's expected, but, you again, you want to you at least make a, at least three or four hits a, a game at least. So we saw, you know, we've seen, not we haven't seen a lot of hits. There's been one or two times this season where the Jays have, uh, you know, gone off for a few runs. But other than that, they've either been shut out or they've been only held to like one or two runs. So it's... Uh, very concerning, but we know the way baseball works. They can heat up tomorrow, and then they can be hot until May, and then they can cool down, and it kind of goes. It's kind of like a cycle. So, but I, I mean, we haven't really seen this bad of a start from the Jays' offense, but I guess it comes as no surprise with the, you know the team on paper they have uh, this season. And definitely, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. would definitely you know help that out a bit at least of when he eventually gets called up. We don't know when, but um, hopefully something that they can at least fix. And I think. The biggest problem with and the biggest concern is because the pitching is doing their part, and it's just it's very frustrating to see the hitting not do their part. Yeah, pretty much the only thing I have in my mind is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just keep looking forward to Guerrero. He's going to be up here any moment. His rehabbing is going well. Um, he started game action in Single A, Dunedin. And he'll be moving up the ranks in the minors for rehab. And soon we should see him in the majors. I'd say within the next two weeks. So, uh, you know, get your fingers ready to tweet something. I, I'm really excited to see him come up. And that's what I keep setting my on. But yes, I think. Uh, this was to be expected, but the key word in there is not to this extent. It's been dramatic how bad the Blue Jays have been. And in those terms, I think it is a little bit of luck that they've been getting those hits in the ninth inning instead of the first and second inning. Uh, but I, I do think this is what we should be expecting of the Blue Jays all season. Not to this extent, but we should be expecting them to struggle offensively uh, throughout the entire season, especially because uh, we've seen this in past seasons. It hasn't really cleared up. They, they, they haven't solved the problem partway through the season. And with the lineup being fluctuated so much night, day in and day out, um, as you mentioned, with all the trades that the Blue Jays are making, I, I don't think we should expect to see a cohesive lineup for at least a few more months uh, or maybe until even after the trade deadline and we've seen uh, this is one thing I've liked about the game so far Charlie Montoyo has shown a willingness to change the lineup around and see what sticks and see what works and even if something works he wants to see if that's real and it, 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 I, I really like the way he's handled it so far uh, but that pretty much wraps up our segment of the podcast today. Coming up, we have an interview with Rap Soto North American General Manager Art Chu. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening.
right off the bat, um, how does Rapsodo work? Yeah, so uh, Rapsodo uh, works using uh, radar and imaging, radar and a camera. Okay. And uh, basically, the, the radar takes uh, the velocity of the ball, captures the velocity of the ball, whether, and this is the same for either the pitching unit or the hitting unit. So the radar captures the velocity of the ball, but the camera takes multiple exposures of the ball as it's flying through the air. And since we know the velocity very accurately, we can we can see the images, uh, the multiple exposures. We can tell exactly how the ball is, is essentially tumbling through the air. Mm-hmm. So we can tell not only not only the trajectory, uh, how it's breaking, but we can tell the you know the, the revolution, how, how it's spinning, and and it, it, it probably most importantly is the is the uh, direction in how it's spinning. So so the axis. Of, of the rotation, so we'll give you, uh, you know, 2200 RPMs, but we'll also be able to tell you which axis uh, that is, that's rotating around, which which is obviously make a very big difference in how the ball breaks. Mm-hmm. So for um, the hitting part of Rapsodo, if it's just focused on the player, does it use projections to uh, project where the ball is going to end up? Yes, yeah. So so what uh, our and that's the way our our uh, is a little bit different than the than a dual Doppler. You know, trackman or flight mm-hmm. scope is, is our, ours is taking a very accurate view of the images on a certain amount of the ball flight and then projecting out using, using aerodynamic, uh, models uh, of the ball to be able to say, hey, here's where it's, where it's uh, going to go as opposed to the, you know, the dual Doppler radar are very good at tracking the entire flight of where it is in space at any given point in time. But what's happening, how the, how the ball is rotating, how the ball is spinning, like that, uh, it uh, it is not as uh, as good as as, as optical. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else sets Rapsodo apart from those other things that you mentioned, like TrackMan and FlightScope? Yeah, so so uh, the, you know the, the main differences uh, are, are going to be that uh, n- number one is is uh, is the size uh, and the uh, the cost of of our system. So our mm-hmm. system is is relatively inexpensive. Uh, because it's a camera and a, and a single radar, uh, so it's very cost-effective. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also uh, very portable. Uh, and then also because we don't need to see a, the entire ball flight, uh, we are we are very good for both indoor and outdoor applications. Typically, uh, you know, the dual Doppler guys they, they got to see the whole ball flight. So, so if you're if you're hitting you know, if you're hitting into a net, if if you're not seeing the full the full uh, ball flight. Uh, it, it may it may not be as uh, as as uh, valid. Ours is uh, is, uh, is is very good uh, regardless of whether you can see the whole ball flight or not. Okay, uh, what's new in Rapsodo 2.0? Yeah, so uh, so Rapsodo 1.0 uh, on the on the uh, the pitching side, uh, what it, it uh, the, the unit sat on a tripod. Mm-hmm. The tripod was placed uh, six feet in back of home plate. The tripod's up about you know seven feet in the air, seventy feet in the air, and uh, uh, it's looking over down over the catcher's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so the the issue there was number one was it required a tripod, and you had to put the tripod six feet in back of home plate. So for a bunch of of our, of our customer applications, there was a fence there, there was a net there, you know the ground mm-hmm. was uneven there. Uh, so there were basic issues with just the space required. Uh, if it was windy, if your outdoors and it was windy, the, the, uh, the, it, it would start to wobble a little bit, and, mm. that, and that certainly affected the accuracy of, 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 uh, uh, of the reading. 
Uh, and so we, we knew we wanted to put it on the ground where, the, you know, where, where our hitting unit is. We wanted to put it on mm-hmm. the ground as possible. Uh, so number one, that just makes the overall ease of setup. It basically, wherever there's a mound and a plate, you can put us. You, you put us on the ground in between the two and, and there's always going to be a, a very easy setup. Uh, but then the other thing we do is because we're sitting on the ground, now pitching 2.0 is on the ground 15 feet in front of home plate. Mm. Uh, that and it's on the ground and it's looking up at the pitcher. So now uh, we have the added benefit of that we're seeing the ball flight, you know, that that 45 feet or so of, you know, depending on your release angle, you know, how far in front of the mound you are, maybe 40 feet of, mm-hmm. of, of 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 ball flight. So we're seeing a lot of ball flight, uh, but then we're also seeing uh, the ball as it's released from the pitcher's hand. Mm-hmm. So we get release we get the release data. So we're giving you a horizontal and, and vertical uh, uh, release point uh, in uh, relation to the center of the rubber. So now that it gets release point, uh, what other statistics is Rapsodo tracking, both in its hitting and pitching components? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the standard that, that, uh, that, that uh, we report, you know, obviously the you know, velocity, uh, we're going to give you the spin, the, the total spin, we're going to tell you the axis of rotation of that of that spin. Uh, we're going to tell you how much of that spin is helping the ball break versus how much of that spin is not helping the ball break. And and the amount of spin that's helping the ball break divided by the total spin is is a number we call the spin efficiency. So if you have a if you have a four seamer that you want pure backspin, uh, you want high spin. You want high spin efficiency. If you have a, a if you throw a slider that's a more you know more like rifle spin type of uh, type of gyro slider, then you may want that ball spinning, but you want very low spin efficiency. You want you want it to be more like a like a football spiraling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that gyro spin uh, it does not help the ball break, so it it it, uh, it will uh, it will break more just based on uh, on gravity. Okay. Um... Can Rapsodo be used to measure data during games, or is it, uh, as of right now, only for practice? Yeah, as of right now, uh, it's required to sit on the ground. Okay. Uh, the pitching unit and the hitting unit both are, are you know, 15, 15 and a half feet in front of, of, of home plate. Basically, you know, they butt up against each other back-to-back. Uh, so it's obviously not for for active play, although a lot mm-hmm. of teams use it for for inter-squads, you know, for scrimmages, things like that. Okay. Uh, you know, they use it for live DP. Uh, but for now, the technology is, is really only uh, for uh, for practice. Is that something you plan on addressing in future versions? Uh, yes. Collecting data seems like something that is uh, a lot of different devices can accomplish, but uh, how does Rapsodo help the players uh, actually utilize the data it collects to improve their performance on the field? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great question because, you know, we always get into the question of data for data's sake, and mm-hmm. at a certain point, data is actually negative. You're just, you're just confusing. You don't know what to, you don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one of the, the key features that we have that I should have brought up earlier, actually, the differentiator, is the uh, the ease of use of our user interface. Uh, so so our systems uh, work with that. Uh, you you, uh, you take an iPad, uh, you download our app onto your iPad. Okay, then you mm-hmm. can open up the app, and the app uh, well, well, the iPad syncs up with the monitor through a local Wi-Fi. The, the monitor actually has its own little Wi-Fi, 
So you, you, it's just like going to a hotel and you know picking up your Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi router on your on your uh, iPad. You mm-hmm. choose that, you choose that monitor, it automatically syncs, and then if once you throw the if you, if you were throwing a, a pitch, you throw the pitch, and about four seconds later, the data pops up on the on the iPad, and you get immediately the velo, the spin, the spin efficiency, the total amount of horizontal and vertical break. Uh, you get your your release point data. And so what happens is then uh, on the uh, from from a teaching point of view, you look at that and you say, well, geez, I, you know, I'm I'm getting a little bit too much uh, horizontal run on my four seamer. I want to come, uh, you know, I'm, I must be coming across it uh, mm-hmm. instead of staying staying straight up and down. I say, hey, try doing this. You know, the coach will tell the player, try doing this. You'll you'll change your you know finger location. You'll change your pressure as you release, throw, mm-hmm. and then four seconds later, right away. The data pops up and it'll tell you, oh, hey, now my, you know, my, I'm, I'm, my horizontal run now instead of two inches now one inches. Hey, that that works better. Let's try doing that again, a little bit more. And so within the matter of, of uh, you know, minutes, actually, that you'll be able to throw a few balls and and immediately see the feedback of whether the changes you're making are working or not. So that, I think that's probably the, the most useful piece. Of, of what uh, we offer is is that kind of active pitch design, as, as opposed to a system where you can throw your whole bullpen, then let's go down, sit down, and look at all the data on a spreadsheet. Ours is really more active. Throw it, let's look at it. Throw it, let's let's uh, let's look at it. Uh, how many major league teams are using Rapsodo? Uh, we have uh, devices at all thirty teams. We, we have twenty nine. Uh, we have 29 teams under under contract right now. We have one. Uh, our last team is uh, hopefully not under going to be under contract uh, here in, in the next uh, you know in the, in the in the next few days even we we, we hope. Okay, and uh, how many uh, like college or high school teams are using Rapsodo? Oh, we have uh, I'd say last count probably over 500 colleges by now. Okay. Uh, probably close to the similar number of, of academies. Academies are also a, a big, uh, you know, a, a big customer mm-hmm. of, of ours. You know, for, and that's, that's including both uh, you know, pitching and and hitting units. And the colleges that that includes baseball and softball. Although uh, okay. baseball by far is is uh, is, is uh, a much larger percentage. Uh, the price for Rapsodo 2.0 is listed on the website at uh, $4,500 plus the $500 a year for the subscription, which, as, uh, as you talked about, is fairly cheap compared to the uh, the other full systems that uh, are set up to track the entire trajectory of the ball. But it still seems like a large sum of money for some amateur teams like we just talked about is... Rapsoda working to make its technology more accessible to those amateur players. Yeah, I, I mean, what we we like to say that uh, you know, we're all about helping athletes uh, achieve their potential, right, and and, and really maximize their mm-hmm. ability to, to achieve their potential. Uh, and while we are are focused on the peak of the pyramid, you know, the professionals in terms of validating the data, making sure that the, the data is accurate. Mm-hmm. And we are really uh, looking at, 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 the, at the bulk of the pyramid for, for our business. Uh, you know, we think that the $4,000 price range is, is fine for universities, it's fine for colleges, it's uh, fine for academies, uh, high schools. Yeah, we, we have a decent amount of high schools, but it's certainly, uh, you know, for the ones that have a tight budget, it's, it's, uh, it, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, for, for, for the, for the uh, time being, that price point is going to stay at that level. 
Okay. Uh, and 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 what we'll what we'll end up doing is working on ways to to utilize the systems that are out there to get more players into them, whether it's an academy or or, or, hmm. or facilities where you maybe don't have to purchase one, but you get access to it. You can go in and and, and open up a, a, an individual player account. Uh, so what comes next for Repsoto? Obviously, you've just released 2.0, and in the past you said uh, when as soon as you released 1.0 or before you released it, you were starting working on 2.0. So after 2.0, what's next? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, what, what you'll see us uh, be working on and introducing a lot is, uh, you know, up till now it's been the data acquisition pieces, the actual mm-hmm. equipment, and making sure the data is accurate. And then what we're going to be uh, focusing on a lot in the in the near future is how do you interpret that data? What does the data mean? How, how do you know, make my life? How does it make my life easier instead of more mm-hmm. complicated? Uh, so uh, one thing that's coming out very very soon is uh, what we call a RAP score. Uh, basically, we're going to be able to take off for so for a pitcher. You're going to throw a bullpen. You may have four different pitches, for example. And you're going to throw you're going to throw a, a, a bullpen with all four pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to give you a rating. Uh, we're going to give you a score of your velocity of each uh, compared to your compared to your your your, your peer group, your your, your age group. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a score on on your your accuracy. We're going to give you a score on your total arsenal and how those four how, how those four pitches tunnel together. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, how you know the, the deception a deception rating. And so we're going to give you a score on all those. And you'll be able to, to monitor not only where you stand against uh, your peers, but also how you how your workout was that day. Because we get the, the question all the time, coaches. So how, do, how can I use this to, to tell whether my player's having a good workout or not? You know? mm-hmm. or, or is he is he tired? Is he is he more prone to injury? If he's been injured, is he ready to come back? So some way to have a comparison against what your baseline is. Uh, so we've created a very relatively straightforward, you know, easy to understand scoring method that we're introducing, uh, and uh, we have a lot. We had a lot of discussions internally about uh, about Fitbit, about how hmm. Fitbit gives you. It's just an easy to use. Take hey, you know, what's what's my goal today? How did I do today? What you know, how how am I doing in a very quick glance? Mm-hmm. So that uh, we, we're we're trying to make what can sometimes be very complicated data. Uh, very easy to understand and very actionable for uh, for even the uh, for even a coach who is not necessarily uh, very tech savvy. Will that uh, comparison feature uh, showing how players are doing compared to other players? Will that use other users' data on Rapsoda? Uh, it it will in in an aggregated mode. Uh, so we'll, yeah. if you are a high school yeah, if you're a high school pitcher between sixteen and eighteen. We'll be able to tell you where you rank, uh, in, you know, nationally, where you rank uh, within mm-hmm. your region, and then of course how, how you rank against your last. Uh, you know, as long as you have uh, historical data under Rapsodo, we can tell you how how, how you're doing uh, over over time. Mm-hmm. Well, that just about does it for all the questions I have. Do you have anything you want to add or, or get in? Yeah, no, I you know I, I think it's it's. Uh, it, we're we're very excited about where, where we're at, and I think that the the MLB exposure we've gotten and usage we've gotten has has happened faster than we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I, I I do think that uh, that there is a a um, that, that we as an industry, us included, have, have to be very careful in making the data uh, more easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, we're kind of doing a disservice to uh, to, to the industry, to, to, to baseball coaches, to mm-hmm. baseball players, uh, and uh, and that that's something that we, you know, that we, again we've worked very hard to get the data right, and now we need to work hard to make the data uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it.